as many live streams as possible and just be able to do this great thing where I'm able to be live, discuss the issues, hear from people, uh, both on TikTok and on Twitter, and also on Rumble with comments. This is a program where you can actually call in, and you can do that by dialing 508 928 5255. That is the number. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about all of these cases that are harassing President Trump. This wouldn't obviously be happening if Trump was not running for office or if he was running as a Democrat. It certainly wouldn't be happening. This is the same persecution and prosecution that occurred when Trump ran in 2016. Except back then, it's been fairly well confirmed at this point. And one reporter who's done a great job in covering that story is Matt Taibbi, from formerly of Rolling Stone magazine, that basically you had a level of spying on the Trump campaign, on President Trump himself, Um, the employment of foreign spies as well overseas, the the falsification of documents to get permission to spy through the FISA courts. That is unprecedented in American history and it makes Watergate look like nothing. I mean, Richard Nixon didn't even know about Watergate. And, you know, but this is a level of spying that's unprecedented. And by the way, when Matt Taibbi, who's a very well-respected reporter, and he's been around for a while, when he wanted to do this story in Rolling Stone magazine, he was told in no uncertain terms that they weren't interested, and then he started to be harassed. Uh, You you, you love Putin, and you you secretly love Trump, they told him. I heard him on with Seb Gorka earlier today, great, great interview. Suddenly he's being called a racist, sexist, homophobe, right? all these ridiculous false names. And so he left. And he also mentioned that there were other reporters at Rolling Stone magazine, younger reporters, who wanted to cover similar stories and who wanted to join him in his story. But when they saw what happened to him at that fascist paper, they decided they wouldn't do it because they have young, because they've got careers, They've got families, they've got futures. So they bowed down to the goose-stepping leftists who run that paper, and they uh, they played ball. Whereas Taibbi, he's been around for a while, he's successful, he didn't care, and he went on to cover stories. And there were a couple of other liberals who have done this as well. Uh, this same mentality, of course, is in place in the media for the 2020 election and the coverage of that. I don't want to get into too many details on that because I don't want to lose my TikTok station. But suffice to say that people were afraid to look too deeply into what was going on there. And they kind of turned a blind eye. I'm not here to criticize that. Um, All I'll say is that You know, it's kind of a sad phenomenon. Let me just see if I can get live on um, 
telegraph. I think that I can. I'm live everywhere else, so why not? Looks like the stream is going gangbusters. By the way, again, you're welcome to join the show. Probably the best way to do Telegram would be for me to, let's see, do I have a link to them? Hmm, I don't know if I do. Um, I think I have that on my, um, yeah, I have that somewhere else. Okay, forget Telegram for now. Um, anyway, so rather than engage in the spying on Trump, which, of course, is a classic um, fascist hand approach um, and which was done throughout his administration when you had the media covering every little embarrassing remark he made, every stupid comment. I mean, for Christ's sake, they're following him to the toilet practically. And nobody asked any questions about, gee, how did they get that information? Hmm? They got it because they were bugging him illegally. That's how they got it. And yet that was not questioned. So this time around, they're trying to sue him and keep him busy with court cases to the point where they're going to wear him out. And uh, the cases are not only bogus, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the implications of these cases for the American system in, in large as a whole, and I'm going to get into each one of them. The first one I want to mention is the case brought by that woman who claimed sexual harassment or sexual assault many years ago. I'm not even going to mention her name because I don't want to get sued myself. Everyone knows what I'm talking about in New York. She couldn't remember the year that it happened, something like 20 years ago. Um, she appeared on the cover of the New York magazine dressed in an outfit that she claimed she was wearing the day she was assaulted by Trump. At that time, she said she thought it happened in 1994. Turned out that that outfit was not created by the designer until 1995, so she changed her story to 1995. She was overheard saying that she's trying to sell books. She made vague accusations, and she basically was suing this man for an, an event that apparently she had a history of, of harassing other men, prominent men, uh, like the head of CBS at the time, Les Moonves, and others, by making these same sorts of accusations. Now, I'm not going to be here to, to, to say whether or not it's true. The important thing for me is to note that in this trial, and this is what I care about in terms of American jurisprudence and American freedom, this is the question that I would ask a judge or a constitutional expert. The fact is that the judge in that case basically told President Trump that he couldn't talk during that trial, that he couldn't ask questions during that trial. When his lawyer tried to ask questions, she was told, you can't ask questions. And in fact, when she stood up and attempted to do so, the judge said, you're going to be held in contempt. I could put you in jail if you ask questions. So here we had a phenomenon where this man is accused of a heinous crime. 
and he's not allowed to respond. He's not allowed to ask questions. He's not allowed to criticize this person making this accusation. And when he does, he gets sued again. Is this, what does this imply for anyone's future, for the future of all men or women for that matter, who may face a similar accusation if they decide to do something that runs against the goose-stepping interests of this internationalist illuminated establishment, as Trump does. It means that anybody can come forward and say, oh, in 1990-whenever, this person assaulted me, and you can't respond. You cannot, you're not allowed to speak in the courtroom in your own defense. And then you have a corrupt jury and judge and I've seen how some of these juries can work. I actually was on a jury panel briefly in Boston. Um, I wasn't even allowed to go into the deliberation section. They put me as an alternative jurist, I think because they could see that I'm wise to the, the system. But I could see that people are influenced by their own biases, their own prejudices, their own um, opinions, and that they can be manipulated and whipped up, even if they're not. Because you had there a radical jury that decided to penalize Trump, even though there was no evidence. $85 million. Um, it's just, it, it was so ugly. The fix was in. But I would only say that for the sake of our, our conversation right now, which is our legal system, it does not bode well for the future of anyone who dares to step out and dissent from the establishment point of view. The second trial that I want to talk about is the one brought by Letitia James, the, the radical attorney general in New York, against Trump's businesses. That just came down. She originally asked for $150 million. The judge said that they might look at $250 million. And ultimately, the jury and judge decided, but the jury, there was no, the judge, there was no jury, decided on $350 million. The system is rigged against him, judges abusing their power. Yes, indeed. It's really discouraging. Thank you. That's on TikTok. By the way, you can join the conversation, 508-928-5255, 508-928-5255. And the questions I have, first of all, is where was the jury? Why wasn't there a jury? You had this imbecile-like judge, this crazy, weird guy who had a long history of very radical partisan of politics. He's going to decide the fate of Donald Trump's business. You had the media, in the case of NPR, a reporter that I listened to last week, uh, talking about this at the top of the hour, mentioning Trump is facing, quote, criminal charges, which is a lie. They were civil charges, and they weren't even against him personally. They were against his business. And it's a kind of a case that normally would not have gone to trial. It would have been decided by the IRS. If they felt that he had 
underrepresented as business and in tax purposes or whatnot, then they would have sent him a letter and there would have been a accountants would have stepped forward. There would have been a negotiation. And if, if it was found that he was in arrears in some way, there would have been a financial settlement. That's how that works. It's called an audit, right? That's how that should work. It's not something that belongs in a courtroom. There was no group of people. There was no bank. There was no individual. There was no group that brought that case because nobody was harmed. The bank, the one bank that testified, that being Deutsche Bank, which uh, had loaned Trump money, they said that while his loans were unusual, they were not unprecedented. They were not harmed. He made all the payments on time. There was no damage done. And you had this Attorney General, Letitia James, running for office, saying, I'm going to get Trump. And then there's a private video that went out with her talking to people. I guess, I don't know if she herself posted this on TikTok or what, but she's just so nasty in the, the four-letter words that, oh, we're going to get Trump. We're going to get him. I mean, what is this? You know, Soviet Russia? You know, you, you, know, you go into office claiming you're going to get somebody? At the time, she had no evidence that he had done anything wrong. There was no claims of crime. No one had lodged any charges. She was going to find a crime. Alan Dershowitz, I think, accurately stated that this is similar to what Stalin and Berea, the head of the national security of the Soviet Union, did when Berea famously said to Stalin, show me the man and I'll find you the crime or something like that. So she, was, she had decided in advance that she was going to get Trump. And then she gets into office, and that's what she does. What kind of a thing is that? You know, you think about that. You're going to have, you know, I mean, is that really an American thing to do? I mean, I'm going to run for office because I'm going to get somebody that everybody doesn't like because I tell them they don't like them. I'm going to whip, you know, and everyone's going to elect me because they have this demented and irrational hatred for this person. And I'm going to get elected. And I'm going to find a way to get him. I promise you. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get his children. I'm going to get his business associates. I'm going to get everybody that's ever been seen with him. I'm going to lock them all up, right? Nobody had ever presented any evidence he had done anything wrong. So what exactly was the case, okay? He had basically um, lowered estimates of the value of his real estate properties when it came to tax assessments. Now, that's something that is entirely legal. I can tell you that I have relatives in New York. I'm not going to mention who it's private, but very liberal, ultra-liberal people who I found out recently hired a lawyer to lower the assessment of their property so they would have a lower tax exposure and so that they wouldn't have to pay as much real estate tax. It's perfectly legal. Everyone does this. I'm not saying it's good, but this is how business is done. And when it comes to selling properties and listing properties, you exaggerate the value, which is also entirely legal. You take a look at Zillow, for example. I know somebody recently who sold a house on Zillow. 
they listed it at a very high price because that's what they thought they could get. And the way that works is usually you list it at a high price, the highest possible price. You could list it for anything you want. And then there's a negotiation. Maybe if it, nothing happens, there's no offers after a week or two. You then relist it at a lower price. Then maybe there's a negotiation and there's a private there's somebody who shows interest, and you negotiate privately, and eventually you come up with a price and you have a sale. But the original price, you could say, is inflated. Well, this is a criminal. This is criminal, apparently, for Trump to do this. And so you had then the jury look at these manufactured crimes. This was a jury that hated Trump. These are people that are involved in this irrational manipulated, mind-controlled hatred. And anybody watching this knows what I'm talking about, right? You ask a Trump hater, why do they hate Trump? They can't explain it. They just, and yet this, it's, it's so like twisted and so wrong. I mean, that, that oh, they're just so happy to see Trump get what he gets deserved. And, oh. and so that's what was on the jury. And so they were going to hit Trump with everything they could. And they were going to hit his children, his two sons. And they're going to make sure he never does business again. And they had their rotten decision. It's really a disgrace. I mean, doesn't this bother liberals at all? Do they have a shred of common sense or conscience? I don't think so. And what about the rest of it? We have the documents case. I'll get to Fanny, Big Fanny in a minute, but the documents case where you had the FBI showing up at Mar-a-Lago in, in uh, military gear, wearing ninja suits, rummaging through Melania's underwear drawer, rummaging through Barron's bedroom with his sports memorabilia, you know, I mean, it just, I think that that's what elect, is going to elect Trump. It was so ugly and so vicious that I even know a couple of liberals who shook their head on that one. It just, it just, it didn't smell right. And you had a National Archive that was sabotaging Trump by not helping him with his papers like they had done with previous presidents. But the important thing to keep in mind on that is that the uh, Presidential Records Act means that, that President Trump, as a former president, when he leaves the White House, he's allowed to declassify whatever he wants and take it with him. That is just how it works. That's what Bill Clinton did. That's what Barack Obama did. It's probably what the Bushes did, as far as I know. And it was tested in a, in, a, in a federal district court when Judicial Watch brought a case up against Bill Clinton, who had taken his tapes when he left the White House, famously keeping them in his sock drawer. And those were tapes of conversations he'd had with world leaders, many of which were conversations that were considered to be classified and top secret. Judicial Watch wanted those tapes. So they could, I don't know, expose Clinton or write a book, who knows. And 
the federal district court ruled against that. They ruled in favor of Clinton. As a former president, he had a right to his information. Now, compare that to to a Biden or Hillary Clinton. We'll get into that in a minute. But Biden is not was not the president. He was a vice president. And before that, he was a senator who was stealing papers from the so the Congress and probably from his office, who knows where, for years. He was keeping them disheveled and open in his garage in Delaware. He was keeping them in a locker in Boston, in Chinatown of all places. He was keeping them at the Biden Center in unsecured locations. He was reading them to his biographer when uh, the biographer was writing a book. This is classified information. And by the way, when, uh, when the attorney general was forced to appoint a special prosecutor after they had done so against Trump, so they really had no choice, the biographer deleted all of his, his files. He deleted all of his interviews. Now, he didn't do anything illegal, but it certainly goes to, it shows something. He didn't want them to be subpoenaed. Now, in the case of Hillary Clinton, she stole thousands of pieces of classified information as Secretary of State. She had no right to do that. And when they were subpoenaed by the FBI, she deleted them all herself and her aides, including apparently now National Security Advisor um, Sullivan, Josh Sullivan, by basically destroying, was it they were bleach bit and they were with hammers, they were destroying their, you know, everything to try to, and this was after they were subpoenaed by the FBI. Now, in the case of Hillary Clinton, James Comey, gave that famous press conference where he decided, he concluded that, yes, Hillary Clinton had broken a few laws, that she had used top-secret information, that she had revealed, you know, wherever she traveled, they were making deals with the Clinton Foundation, big fat donations, including from Putin, by the way, and that she didn't want that to be known. But he would not prosecute because he just didn't want to, right? In the case of Biden, the special prosecutor in that case decided, well, we're not going to prosecute Biden because he's too old and he's too senile to deal with it. They couldn't ask him any questions because he can't remember anything. Now, what does that say about his ability to be president of the United States? I think we all see what that what, what's going on there. I mean, that's the defense used by Nazi war criminals who were discovered, you know, in their 90s, you know, like, you know, decades later. And the lawyer says, well, he's too old and he's too senile to stand trial. Is that what we want? Is that appropriate for a president of the United States? But with Trump, of course, he's got this thug, this hooligan going after him. The guy doesn't even live in this country. This guy, Jack Smith, and he's going to have to be prosecuted for having documents that he had every right to have. So that's the documents case. And that one's coming up, I think, in March. 
Now, the other case coming up, and I think this is one in Florida, of course, deals with the quote-unquote insurrection, right? Trump tried to steal the election. No, Trump didn't try to steal the election. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want to get shut down on TikTok. All I can say is you could argue either side tried to steal the election, and one side did, in my opinion. I'm not going to get into it. You can look at my Rumble page if you want more information with regard to my opinions on this. It's a subject that I have covered and followed every single day from the 2020 election. I'm not going to go into details right now. Suffice to say that my fellow Americans, every friggin' one of them, knows damn well what happened on that day. They know what happened, whether they admit it or not. And this so called insurrection was actually a protest to support hearings in the House that were to take place when the Electoral College met and the delegates were seated. That happens every January 6th, every four years after a presidential election. And the, uh, the idea of contesting elections in states, it's entirely constitutional. Okay. Um, yeah, they tipped her off and she set fire to her garage with the computers inside. I don't know about that. I didn't hear that, but I did hear that she smashed their the blackberries with, with hammers. That I did hear. I don't think she set fire. But uh, unless you're, you're trying to, you know, troll me here, I don't know. We can just say that it's taken way too long to bring forth the truth on the election. Yes, it has. And maybe, God willing, if Donald Trump is okay and he's, you know, God willing, God protect him, he is reelected, we will get to the bottom of it. We have to get to the bottom of it. And it, it, is, the, it is the source of all of the problems that we're facing right now in the world. It is a topic, again, that I don't want to go into detail on here because TikTok will shut me down. I simply will say that if you want my opinions on this, go to my Rumble channel, you'll, and you'll, you'll see that we'll go to my Rockfin channel, or go to my Podomatic channel. You know, just go to my, go to charlesmoskowitz.com, and you'll see all of my media there, and you can, you can check out. I've, I've done a lot of coverage on this. I've, I've been consistently covering it since day one. Okay. Looks like I've been removed from TikTok, people. And I didn't even say anything. Um, I said nothing about the election. And yet they removed me. All right. Whatever, so be it. I'm off TikTok. Anyway, getting on with the topic at hand here. And by the way, you're welcome to join me at 508-928-5255. 508-928-5255. That's aggravating. Um, 
the final case, of course, is Big Fanny. Uh, that one is a complete farce. Now that I'm off TikTok, <laughs> I guess I can talk a little bit more freely. Um, Big Fanny's case was basically because Trump contested the election in Georgia uh, because he called the rotten, corrupt Secretary of State Raffensperger, who had evidence sitting on his desk that the election was corrupt, who did nothing about the fact that the um, the DCU center or whatever that center is called in in Fulton County was shut down due to a, an allegedly a water main break when that never happened, and that the media was told to leave, but several corrupt vote counters showed up afterwards quietly without any media attention and they said they kept counting and in some cases of there was government film going on there was there was footage of them stuffing the ballot box and that there was a committee that did investigate and they found that there were hundreds of thousands of votes that were questionable raffensperger knew this and he had it sitting on his desk and when Trump called, he lied to Trump. Oh, I know nothing about this. And by the way, Bill Barr lied to Trump too. When Trump asked him to investigate, he said, oh, we have. And we found out that everything was perfect. Bullcrap. He never investigated. And Chris Krebs marched out, the head of CISA, which is a radical group, completely co-opted. And he announced, oh, this has been the cleanest election in history. Bullcrap. All right. But in the case of Georgia, this Raffensperger character, I don't know what makes him tick. He did get a $6 million check from, from, um, from, from Zuckerberg, the Zuckerbucks. Was that it? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But he lied to Trump when Trump said, was this, a, you know, would you look into this election? Oh, no, it's fine. And Trump asked him to find some votes to... Only 10,000. That was a difference in the state where 3 million votes were cast. He didn't say steal 10,000. He said find 10,000. And yet this corrupt DA, Big Fanny, went in and she indicted Trump for that and several other people, a whole list of other people, for questioning an election. That's an American right. So my final comment on this is that this is the fact that we now can't do that if a Republican's involved or if Trump's involved shows that we really don't have freedom. If we can't question the results of an election in this country, then this is a third world dictatorship. This is no better than Putin putting his opponent in prison and then he dies, that being Navalny, right? What's the difference? What are they trying to do to Trump? They're trying to put him in prison. They have 200, over 200 men in prison right now in the Gulag in D.C., actually over 200, and around the country, who just were expressing dissenting opinions. They were concerned that they believed that there was problems with the election. They're doing jail time for that. They're being tortured. They're being put in solitary confinement. I know it's a minor case, but Owen Schroyer, who was a reporter with InfoWars, he was simply reporting. That's his job. He's a journalist on the lawn of the White House 
and the White House, I mean, of the Capitol, telling people don't go in. And he had to serve prison time for that. Whereas, of course, you have Ray Epps, who was one of the ringleaders. You're going to go into the Capitol, he says. He shows up the day before. People are looking at him like, what are you talking about? Oh, you're going to go into the Capitol. Never questioned. Finally, three years later, he's charged with, with a crime, and he gets a slap on the wrist. No jail time, nothing. So we don't have a free country. And I'm just going to finish up by saying that Matt Taibbi, and he's revealed another aspect to this case, um, and it's been making the rounds, and it's not proven yet, but there's a, there's a serious allegation that's been made by people who have released information regarding whether or not the FBI raid on Trump's home might have been their attempt to grab these binders. And I don't mean Mitt Romney's binders of women here. I'm talking about binders of information that may have implicated these rotten figures who were involved in spying on Trump in 2016. People like Comey and, and, and Bremer and, and, and Clapper and, and these sort of insiders and maybe other names. And that the reason they, the FBI raided there was because they wanted to get those files. So that because they, they felt that Trump might have had them and was planning on releasing them at some point. It's just a rumor. But what we do know is that our entire system has been compromised by this attempt to get Trump from day one, from the day he started to announce his intention to run for office. The spying, the bugging, the foreign spies, the propaganda emanating from the media, operating as stooges of this establishment, and now the prosecution and the lawfare. It is something that is frightening and should be frightening to all Americans, regardless of what you think of Donald Trump. You may not like him. You may like him. The point is every American has a right to run for office, and every American has a right to do so in a way that they're not molested by the state and by the deep state in this case. So those are my thoughts today. I want to thank you for joining me. I'm sorry that TikTok shut me down. I said nothing about the election, but apparently they felt I was too close to the edge. And um, check out my new book, of course, The Anti-Semitic Imagination, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, I should note that uh, I was interviewed by, um, let me just see, I had a great interview. It's on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know how long it's, I mean, I didn't say anything. Key Life. With Steve Brown, Charles Moskowitz, defending, Defeating Anti-Semitism. It's available at Key Life Network. You can check it out on YouTube. Next week, I'll be on Killstream, uh, to, which I think is also on YouTube. So I'm trying to be careful with that. But I'm discussing it. I don't want to get into that tonight. That's too much. But the issue of anti-Semitism and how it's being used as a tool by the establishment to divert attention from their agenda. Anyway, on that note, I want to thank you for joining me, everyone. God bless you all. 
Um, in spite of everything, I'm optimistic because I believe that enough Americans understand the responsibility of freedom, the responsibility of preserving our way of life, our constitution, and are willing to fight for it. So thank God for that, and thank God for America. God bless America. Good night, everybody.